Hi, Steve here. I love women. I even married one. Women are different than men in so many good ways. Women have compassion for others when men are just plain heartless. There are even two whole books in the Bible titled with those women's names, Ruth and Esther, and they both changed history. This is what I see happening today. There are many other great women who are mentioned throughout the Bible, both in the Old and New Testament, but there's something happening that I don't really understand. Why do I see more women leading the way to stop this nefarious push to tear society and humanity down than I do men? Men are supposed to be the leaders, right? Men should be standing up in this fight for humanity. Then why do I constantly see so many women leading the charge to stop this insidious drive against everything good and right and just in this world? Yeah, there are a few good men in the fight, and they're doing a good job with what they do, but sometimes I just see the women as a larger group of warriors in this spiritual battle for mankind. The plan and playbook of Satan is simple. Gaslight the public in every area he can and deny reality. Of course, that includes everything the Bible clearly states as truth. And those who follow this wickedness will pretend like they're stupid, even when they're nominated for a judicial position. They act like they only have a kindergarten education. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? Not in okay. this context. So I'm you not a biologist. The meaning of the word "woman" is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition, Senator. In my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments, and I look at the right. law and I decide. Well, so I'm not the fact that you can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about. That's like saying you, before you got in this program, you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not. What do you think, huh? No. Even a kindergartner knows what a woman is. During the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing for the Supreme Court nominee, did you catch that? I said Supreme Court, not some little clerk at some little podunk city somewhere. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? I can't. Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson played dumb as a rock when Senator Marsha Blackburn asked her if she could define a woman. Come on, man. The entire question was so ludicrous, but still, she was refusing to respond because all of those gaslighters would not approve of her answering the question in a simple and logical way. In the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul tells us that everything written in the past was written to teach us so that with the encouragement of the scriptures, we might patiently hold on to our hope. I've heard many people say, God created woman to be equal with man, and that's why he created her from Adam's rib, to walk alongside, not in front, not behind. I can also tell you that God created one man for one woman, and one woman for one man. Men were never supposed to have several wives, and even those men like Solomon who did, that was never God's will. 
But of course, there were rulers like Ahasuerus, who ruled 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia around 486 years before Jesus was born on this earth. The area of his Persian empire was huge. They had no faith in the living God, only in their false gods and their idols. And most of Israel had been captured and scattered throughout Babylon and the Persian empire. And this is where we encounter the story of Esther. The king held a feast in the third year of his reign for all his officials and staff, the army of Persia and Media, the nobles and the officials of the provinces. He displayed the glorious wealth of his kingdom and the magnificent splendor of his greatness for a total of 180 days. It was a huge celebration where he pulled out all the stops, gold goblets, and at the same time, his wife, Queen Vashti, was giving a feast for the women of King Ahasuerus's palace. On the seventh day of this big feast, he ordered his queen to come so he could show her off and her great beauty among his guests. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command. You don't do this. The king became furious and his anger burned within him. So he asked his advisors, what should he do? They said, find another beautiful woman from your harem and take her as queen. The king's personal attendants suggested, let a search be made for a beautiful young virgin for the king. Let the king appoint commissioners in each province of his kingdom so that they may gather all the beautiful young virgins to the harem at the fortress of Susa. Put them under the supervision of Haggai, the king's eunuch, keeper of the women, and give them the required beauty treatment. Then the young woman who pleases the king will become queen instead of Vashti. It pleased the king, and he said, go for it, let's do it. Esther was the daughter of Abihael, the uncle of Mordecai, who had adopted her as his own daughter. When her turn came to go to the king, she did not ask for anything except what Haggai, the king's eunuch keeper of the women, suggested. Esther gained favor in the eyes of everyone who saw her. She was taken to the king, Ahasuerus, in the palace in the 10th month the month Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. The king loved Esther more than all the other women. She won more favor and approval from him than did any other virgin. He placed the royal crown on her head and made her queen in place of Vashti. The king held a great banquet for all his officials and staff. It was Esther's banquet. He freed his provinces from tax payments and gave gifts worthy of the king's bounty. As her cousin and adoptive father since the exile to Babylon, she kept secret her Jewish identity as her cousin Mordecai had told her to do. Two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the entrance became infuriated and planned to assassinate King Ahasuerus. When Mordecai learned of the plot, he reported it to Queen Esther and she told the king on Mordecai's behalf. When the report was investigated and verified, both men were hanged on the gallows. This event was recorded in the historical record in the king's presence. After all this took place, King Ahasuerus honored Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite. He promoted him in rank and gave him a higher position than all the other officials. 
The entire royal staff at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman because the king had commanded this to be done. But Mordecai would not bow down or pay homage. The members of the royal staff at the king's gate asked Mordecai, why are you disobeying the king's command? When they had warned him day after day and he still would not listen to them, they told Haman in order to see if Mordecai's actions would be tolerated since he had told them he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai was not bowing down or paying him homage, he was filled with rage. And when he learned of Mordecai's ethnic identity, it seemed repugnant to Haman to do away with Mordecai alone. He planned to destroy all of Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout Ahasuerus' kingdom. In the first month, the month of Nisan, the king Ahasuerus' 12th year, the Pur, that is, the lot, was cast before Haman for each day in each month, and it fell on the 12th month, the month Adar. But now, listen to this. This is how Satan moves in people and uses people to carry out his will. Then Haman informed King Ahasuerus, there's one ethnic group scattered throughout the peoples in every province of your kingdom, keeping themselves separate. Their laws are different from everyone else's, and they don't obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. If the king approves, let an order be drawn up authorizing their destruction, and I will pay myself 375 tons of silver to the officials for deposit in the royal treasury. The king removed his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. Then the king told Haman, the money and people are given to you to do with as you see fit. Letters were sent by couriers to each of the royal provinces, telling the officials to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the Jewish people, young and old, women and children, and plunder their possessions on a single day. The 13th day of Adar, the 12th month, a copy of the text issued as law throughout every province was distributed to all the peoples so that they might get ready for that day. When Mordecai learned about it, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went into the middle of the city and cried loudly and bitterly. There was great mourning among the Jewish people in every province where the king's command and edict reached. They fasted, wept, and lamented, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Esther's female servants and her eunuchs came and reported the news to her, and the queen was overcome with fear. Fear is one of the main weapons. Fear is the devil's biggest weapon that he uses against everyone. She sent clothes for Mordecai to wear so that he would take off his sackcloth, but he did not accept them. Esther summoned Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs who attended her, and dispatched him to Mordecai to learn what he was doing and why. So Hathak went out to Mordecai in the city square in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened as well as the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay the royal treasury for the slaughter of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa, ordering their destruction so that Hathak might show it to Esther, explain it to her, and command her to approach the king, implore his favor, and plead with him personally for her people. Hathak came and repeated Mordecai's response to Esther. Esther said, Tell Mordecai, 
All the royal officials and the people of the royal provinces know that one law applies to every man or woman who approaches the king in the inner courtyard and who has not been summoned. The death penalty, unless the king extends the gold scepter, allowing that person to live. I have not been summoned to appear before the king for the last 30 days. Esther's response was reported to Mordecai. Listen to Mordecai's response because it would be the same thing he would tell people today about going along with evil laws just so they could get along. Going along to get along. Mordecai told the messenger to reply to Esther, don't think that you will escape the fate of all the Jews because you are in the king's palace. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place, but you and your father's family will be destroyed. Who knows, perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go and assemble all the Jews who can be found in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my female servants will also fast in the same way. After that, I will go to the king, even if it is against the law. If I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went and did everything Esther had commanded him. Do you understand how monumental what Esther said really is? Even if it is against the law, if I perish, I perish. In other words, not all laws are righteous, and it may cost you your life, but there are some things that are much more important than ever complying with evil. On the third day, Esther dressed in her royal clothing and stood in the inner courtyard of a palace facing it. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the royal courtroom facing its entrance. As soon as the king saw Queen Esther standing in the courtyard, she gained favor with him. The king extended the gold scepter in his hand toward Esther, and she approached and touched the tip of the scepter. What is it, Queen Esther, the king said? Whatever you want, even to half the kingdom, will be given to you. If it pleases the king, Esther said, may the king and Haman come today to the banquet I have prepared for them. The king said, hurry and get Haman so we can do as Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. While drinking the wine, the king asked Esther, Whatever you ask will be given to you. Whatever you want, even to half the kingdom, will be done. Esther said, This is my petition and my request. If I have found favor in the eyes of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and perform my request, may the king and Haman come to the banquet I will prepare for them. Tomorrow, I will do what the king has asked. That day, Haman left full of joy and he was in good spirits. But when Haman saw Mordecai at the king's gate and Mordecai didn't rise or tremble in fear at his presence, Haman was filled with rage toward Mordecai. Yet Haman controlled himself and he went home. He sent for his friends and his wife, Zeresh, to join them. Then Haman described for them his glorious wealth and his many sons. He told them all how the king had honored him and promoted him in rank over the other officials and the royal staff. What's more, he said, Queen Esther invited no one but me to join the king at the banquet she had prepared. I am invited again tomorrow to join her with the king. Still, none of this satisfies me since I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate all the time. His wife Zeresh and all his friends told him, have them build a gallows 75 feet tall. Ask the king in the morning to hang Mordecai on it. 
Then, go to the banquet with the king and enjoy yourself. The advice pleased Haman, so he had the gallows constructed. That night, sleep escaped the king. So he ordered the book recording daily events to be brought and read to the king. They found the written report of how Mordecai had informed on Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the entrance when they planned to assassinate King Ahasuerus. The king inquired, what honor and special recognition have been given to Mordecai for this act? The king's personal attendants said, nothing has been done for him. Just then the king said, who is in the court? Now Haman was just entering the outer court of the palace to ask the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows he had prepared for him. The king's attendants answered, Haman is there, standing in the court. Have him enter, the king said. Haman entered and the king asked him, what should be done for the man the king wants to honor? Haman thought to himself, who is it the king would want to honor more than me? Haman told the king, well, he says, for the man the king wants to honor, have them bring a royal garment that the king himself has worn and a, a horse the king himself has ridden, which has a royal crown on its head. Put the garment and the horse under the charge of one of the king's most noble officials. Have them clothe the man the king wants to honor, parade him on the horse throughout the city square and call out before him, this is what is done for the man the king wants to honor. The king told Haman, Hurry and do just as you proposed. Take a garment and a horse for Mordecai, the Jew, who is sitting at the king's gate. Do not leave out anything you have suggested. Talk about a blow to Haman. So Haman took the garment and the horse. He clothed Mordecai and paraded him through the city square, calling out before him, this is what is done for the man the king wants to honor. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman hurried off for home, mournful, and with his head covered. Haman told his wife, Zeresh, and all his friends everything that had happened. His advisors and his wife, Zeresh, said to him, since Mordecai is a Jew and you've begun to fall before him, you won't overcome him because your downfall is certain. While they were still speaking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and rushed Haman to the banquet Esther had prepared. The king and Haman came to feast with Esther the queen. Once again, on the second day while drinking wine, the king asked Esther, Queen Esther, whatever you ask will be given to you. Whatever you seek, even to half the kingdom will be done. Queen Esther answered, if I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if the king is pleased, spare my life, this is my request, and spare my people, this is my desire, for my people and I have been sold to destruction, death, and annihilation. If we had merely been sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept silent. Indeed, the trouble wouldn't be worth burdening the king. King Ahasuerus spoke up and said, Queen Esther, who is this? And where is the one who would devise such a scheme? Esther said, the adversary and enemy is this evil Haman. Haman stood terrified before the king and queen. The king arose in anger and went from where they were drinking wine to the palace garden. Haman remained to beg Queen Esther for his life because he realized the king was planning something terrible for him. Just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall, Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was reclining. The king exclaimed, would he actually violate the queen while I'm in the house? 
As soon as the statement left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Harbona, one of the king's eunuchs, said, There's a gallows 75 feet tall at Haman's house that he made for Mordecai, who gave the report that saved the king. The king said, Hang him on it. They hanged Haman on the gallows he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's anger subsided. That same day, King Ahasuerus awarded Queen Esther the estate of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. Mordecai entered the king's presence because Esther had revealed her relationship to Mordecai. The king removed his signet ring he had recovered from Haman and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther put him in charge of Haman's estate. Then Esther addressed the king again. She fell at his feet, wept, and begged him to revoke the evil of Haman, the Agagite, and his plot he had devised against the Jews. The king extended the gold scepter toward Esther, so she got up and stood before the king. She said, if it pleases the king, and I I have found favor with him, if the matter seems right to the king and I am pleasing in his eyes, let a royal edict be written. Let it revoke the documents the scheming Haman, son of Hamadath of the Agagite, wrote to destroy the Jews who are in all the king's provinces. For how could I bear to see the disaster that would come on my people? How could I bear to see the destruction of my relatives? King Ahasuerus said to Esther, the queen, and to Mordecai, the Jew, look, I have given Haman's estate to Esther, and he was hanged on the gallows because he attacked the Jews. Write in the king's name whatever pleases you concerning the Jews and seal it with the royal signet ring, a document written in the king's name and sealed with the royal signet ring cannot be revoked. On the 23rd day of the third month, that is the month Sivan, the royal scribes were summoned. Everything was written exactly as Mordecai commanded for the Jews to the satraps, the governors, and the officials of the 127 provinces from India to Kush. The edict was written for each province in its own script, for each ethnic group in its own language, and to the Jews in their own script and language. Mordecai wrote in King Ahasuerus's name and sealed the edicts with the royal signet ring. He sent the documents by mounted couriers who rode fast horses bred in the royal stables. The king's edict gave the Jews in each and every city the right to assemble and defend themselves, to destroy, kill, and annihilate every ethnic and provincial army hostile to them including women and children, and to take their possessions as spoils of war. This would take place on a single day throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus's on the 13th day of the 12th month, the month Adar. A copy of the text issued as law throughout every province was distributed to all the peoples so the Jews could be ready to avenge themselves against their enemies on that day. The couriers rode out in haste in their royal horses at the king's urgent command. The law was also issued in the fortress of Susa. Mordecai went from the king's presence clothed in royal blue and white with a great gold crown and a purple robe of fine linen. The city of Susa shouted and rejoiced and the Jews celebrated with gladness, joy and honor. In every province and every city where the king's command and edict reached, gladness and joy took place among the Jews. There was a celebration and a holiday, and many of the ethnic groups of the land professed themselves to be Jews because of fear, because fear of the Jews 
had overcome them. Ladies and women of faith, understand that in these last days, God may ask you to stand against tyranny and evil. And if he does, understand, he will be with you and he will fight for you. That goes for you men too. Think about it.